Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. On earth as it is in heaven. And that's our, that's our prayer as followers of Jesus that not, Lord, take us from here to somewhere else because we just can't stand it, but, but rather our prayer is let us as a people be connected in intimacy with God so that we will see His will and His purpose uh, break out in our lives right out here in, in Mandred. Let, let us be transformed so that we can bring transformation to this city. And so uh, this series is going to lead us into, um, into Easter. I know Rachel mentioned already, but can you believe Easter is just around the corner? I'm sure you've seen all the supermarket shelves stacked with Easter chocolate, with Easter bunnies. Um, I think the hot cross buns were out from Boxing Day, uh, from, from memory, just, you know, it's there, ready to go. Who's, who's, who's jumped in? to the uh, Easter chocolate already. No, no judgment here. It's all right. Yep, yep. There's a couple of honest people. Great to, great to see. But, you know, as we approach Easter as a church together, uh, we're going to be taking some time to uh, understand and look at uh, the gospel story. Uh, if you're new to church, gospel um, is simply a, a word that means good news. Literally, originally, it means, it means good news. And now, when, when I talk about the gospel story, uh, I'm, not re- I'm not referring to a, a fable or some, you know, imaginary land like far, far away. You see, we live in a world where there are many competing stories or competing gospels. We often make sense of the world and therefore ourselves through story. And you know, many people, groups, ideologies are spending a lot of time a lot of effort, a lot of creativity, a lot of money communicating their story to the world. They're, they're, they're selling their gospel, declaring that this is the way the world works. This is the way. You know, like they're, they're declaring that. That's right, you'll get the Mandalorian reference later. It's okay, but they're, they're saying this is the story, this is the problem, and then here's, here's a solution for you. And so these, these stories that are, that are beamed at us all the time, they're, they're communicated through you know, political parties, through education systems, through social media, through movies, entertainment, corporate marketing, you know, just, to, just to name a few. Uh, but Paul actually warns us about this. Uh, Paul wrote about two-thirds of the, new, of the new gospel. That sounded weird. Of the New Testament, sorry. Um, and, and he encouraged believers to grow in maturity. This is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. It says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. And so, as I said, over these four weeks uh, leading up to Easter, we will discover and unpack God's story, the gospel, and you might be here and maybe you've been in church all the time. You're thinking, okay, yep, sweet. I know this one. Jesus died on the cross for me. Yes, true. But uh, I want to show you today that this good news, this gospel starts far earlier than that. And so we're going to start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. Don't sing it. But anyway, Genesis 1.1 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. 
Have you ever been somewhere and felt completely out of place? Maybe like I'm feeling that at the moment, what are you talking about? But anyway, you know, have, have you ever been somewhere and felt completely out of place? Uh, I remember uh, a little bit ago, um, uh, Rachel and I, we uh, had a night away by ourselves. Very important that it happens once you're married and especially once you have children that you schedule, schedule that in. Anyway, uh, we, went to, we went to Perth, uh, stayed in this nice, nice hotel, Doubletree uh, by Elizabeth Key. Great spot. Uh, anyway, we're there, and um, we must be getting old because uh, we enjoy walking together. And, you know, as a younger person getting old, I'm like, oh, I think we're getting old because they're like, what will we do? We'll go for a walk. Whoa. You know, really out there. Look out. Adventurous. Is that one of our core values? Anyway, um, but so, so we're staying there. If you, know, if you know the spot sort of around Elizabeth Key. And um, we're like, okay, we'll do the walk. We'll go, um, go around the Swan. I think it, someone can correct me later. I think it's maybe called the Three Bridges. We walk all the way around there. Anyway, took a few wrong turns as, as we were doing it, but we made it back. And so we got, we got back to the hotel, and uh, we'd heard, I think, um, someone told us about it, and we'd read in the, in the brochure that at this uh, hotel, there's this amazing, like, rooftop bar. We're there for the food, obviously. Um, you know, there's this amazing rooftop bar with these sunset views, and it was just before sunset, and we're like, oh, uh, you know, we've done our walk, uh, now we can eat, you know, let's, let's, let's go up and do that. And so we got to our room, um, you know, freshened up slightly. I did the shower in the can version and um, proceeded to go to the elevator. And we're like, you know, being, you know, fit and energetic, that's in. So we're just in our walking gear, so we'll be, we'll be fine. So we get in this, um, in this elevator, go right to the top. Uh, once you're there, it's like this skinny little hallway, and there's nowhere else to go. You just got 10 meters, and you're into this restaurant bar thing. Anyway, so we go in there, and I don't know if you've ever felt this before, but as soon as we walked in, and saw everyone else, we're like, uh-oh, we're out of place. <laughs> like, everyone is, like, dressed up. They haven't just walked the swan, or if they had, it was like, you know, they didn't break a sweat at all. You know, it was like, they, and, and we're just like, and sort of looked at each other, and it was like, oh, no, it's too late to back out now. We've already put the foot in. So, like, okay, we're just, we're here. And, you know, we order our wedges and whatever else, eat quickly, feel awkward, and leave. Like, that's it. Like, that's it. We'll, we'll come back tomorrow dressed up differently, and they won't even recognize it was us. Like, I had a sweaty Adidas cap on. I was like, don't mention we're from Mandra, because Perth people will be like, ah, oh, that explains it. Ah, oh, we get it. You're from Mandra. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, we get it. I don't know if you've had a similar experience feeling out of place, uh, whether it's somewhere like that or somewhere completely different. Maybe, maybe, you've, maybe you've had the, the ultimate uh, embarrassment. Like maybe you've turned up and someone said it was a dress-up party and then everyone was like, nah, we're not dressing up. And you're like, you know, you've been, and you're like, oh, it's not Superman. Okay, all right, great. You know, out of here. I don't know what experience you've had like that. But what about, what about generally in the culture? Do you ever feel a little out of place when you look at the way the world is going? Do you feel like you're maybe swimming upstream? You see, our word for the year as a church is transformed. It comes from Romans 12, which says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, because we're called to be different. You see, the good news, the gospel of God, his story, it doesn't begin with Jesus dying for you. That's an essential part. Don't worry, we'll get to that, okay? But it starts from the very first sentence of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you see, straight away, this will put you out of step with the world. If you believe this, if you take on this, that God is creator of all, you will feel out of place. You feel maybe a little bit like we did in our awkward rooftop bar in our, you know, in my sweaty cap and, and whatever. You, you'll feel a little bit out of place. Straight away, this foundational reality sends you in a very different direction to that of the current culture. Because what, what it says, and we'll read more of Genesis 1 in a second, is it says that we are created by someone. Created by someone. That, that changes everything. And so in this, in this series, we're going to talk about uh, four big topics. Uh, creation, that's today. And um, it's not going to be so much about you know, science or creation or evolution or anything like that. We're going to, we're going to focus on you, on, on us, and what does the reality of creation mean for us as human beings. So that's this week. Uh, next week, uh, Chris is preaching, uh, which is going to be exciting. So he's preaching about the fall. We always give the fall to the youth pastor. No, I'm joking. But um, he's preaching about the fall, which would be amazing. Uh, then I'll be back week three uh, speaking about redemption. So what's the solution? To the problem, and then Rachel will finish out the series week four speaking about future. In light of all this, what is God calling us to now? What has He promised us ahead of time? So you might be thinking, okay, creation, why does this, why does this matter? Why, why do the origins of mankind matter? Well, I, I want to say they matter because origin gives meaning. Origin gives purpose. Origin shows that you are not just an accident. You are not here by chance, but, but origin shows something. And so let's look at your origin, Genesis 1. This is verse 26 to 28. Then God said, uh, let us make man in our image. Now, uh, stop point there for a second. After man in the Bible, a little teaching for a second. It's not on the screen because it sort of clutters it up a little bit. But if you're reading it in the Bible, after man, there's a little a letter there. And if you look down the bottom of your uh, Bible, or if you click on it, if you're in you version, it will tell you that it's not just talking about uh, male as in men. It's this word that's used for all of mankind. So, so, so don't freak out. It's all right. It, it keeps going. It says, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the, of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, this is where the gospel starts. This is good news. You were created on purpose with a purpose. You see, every human life has dignity, worth, and value. Why? Because every person is created in the image of God. Every single person across the entire span of the globe, across the entire span of history, we are created in God's image. You see, you matter, you have purpose, you carry the image of an invisible God on the inside. You see, this has always been and will always be good news. 
This is the good news of the gospel. This is where it starts, that God created you. You see, even, even more so today, this is good news. I, I want to speak into our young people here who may be struggling with identity, not feeling like they fit in anywhere, wondering, well, what is the whole point? to their existence, looking for a story to belong to. I want to tell you today that you are created in God's image. Not only are you created in God's image, but He has a purpose for your life. No matter what anyone else has told you, God created you, He formed you, and He has purpose for your life. You know, I was looking at stats this week on... um, on suicide, and you know, males between the age of 50 and 54 have the highest age specific suicide rate in this country of those under 80 years. Now, we're not going to do you know, show of hands who's between 50 and 54 or anything, any, anything like that. But I want to tell you, men, you are created in God's image, you are created with a purpose. You are created with God's potential on the inside of your life. No matter what has gone on, God believes in you and He has created you with a destiny, with a purpose. This this scripture in Ephesians 2.10, no matter your age, no matter male, female, whatever, it still rings true. It says this, so we are His workmanship. That's us, we're created, we're God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that you may walk in them. That is the word of God for all of us, no matter what we've been through. So not only does creation tell us that we're made in God's image, as author Greg Gilbert says, uh, he says this, we are created, we are made, therefore we are owned. We are created, we are made, and therefore we are owned. Speaking prophetically years before Jesus turned up, um, Isaiah, who was a a prophet in the Old Testament, said this. uh, This is Isaiah 43, 5 and 7. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I, sorry, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. If we go over to the New Testament, Paul is writing a letter to this church in Corinth, uh, it's a city where a church was, and he's encouraging them not to get caught up in rules surrounding what should be eaten or what should be drunk or, you know, any, any of that sort of stuff. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 10, 31 and 33. He says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. You see, God is creator of all, and because he created creation, creation is called to worship God. Creation, including us, is called to worship him. Psalm 19 verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of the Lord, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. You know, we can look out and see the glory of God in creation, especially in uh, this amazing, you know, paradise that, that, that we live in. Over the last few years, I've just had such an even greater revelation in suburban Sydney, you know, 50 minutes out from the city was, was okay. But Mandra, man, there's, like, there's dolphins and there's, uh, we see the ocean every day. There's this, there's this new sense of, you know what, creation worships God. 
that we can see God's glory as we're out in the surf or as we're walking along or if you don't like walking, as we're driving and just put the window down and say, ah, there's the ocean. You know, wherever we are, as we go over the cut and see the dolphins diving or whatever, whatever it is, we are, we are, called, we are called to worship God as creation and His creation worships Him. You see, but we too, like I said, we're part of that creation and this is good news. So, so today, as at the start of the gospel, at the start of the good news, I, I want to tell you, number one is this, is that God created you for his glory. God created you for his glory. Author and theologian John Piper says this, we were made to be prisms reflecting, reflecting, sorry, refracting even, the light of God's glory into all our life. You see, God is holy, he's righteous, he's perfection and the source of all life and all things good. And, and so his call for us is to show that. Now, this will be a throwback for a few people if you're in a similar age category to me, but in um, his 2002 song, Sun, Stars and Moon by Paul Coleman, he wrote this, I want to be the moon because it reflects the sun. Don't want to be a star that shines on everyone. I want to be with you because you're the only one who heals my lonely soul. You see, we are created to glorify God. I'm created to glorify God. The, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is, you know, fancy word that means lots of things that we believe about God, says this, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. This is the story. This is the beginning of the gospel. Now, as I'm sure you're all aware, um, even just from your own life, that, we, that we, all, we all mess up. We all miss the mark. We all forget our key purpose. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Chris, Chris will preach about this powerfully next week about, about the fall. But, but today I want to focus on and bring to our attention that we are called to live to glorify God. Because we are created, like I said, in His image. But, but you see, we, we, we don't stop there. Because sometimes if we just stop there and then if we drop the God part, we end up sounding like a Disney movie. You, 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 know, you know what I mean? Like you have, you have goodness, you are created great, just let the great out, you know, all that, all that, all that sort of stuff. But that's only, that's only a part truth. Yes, you were created in God's image, but also because you were created, you are owned by God. You are owned by God. I know we, we, we love the first part. Yeah, I'm created in the image of God. Oh yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh yeah, I can do this, I can, I can do that. But wait up, we are also owned by God because He is our creator. So therefore, He has purpose for us. It's not our own purpose. It's not to fulfill selfish desires, which we all have because of the fall next week. But, he's, he's, but He has called us to glorify Him. He has purposed you to glorify Him. Now, now you might be thinking, well, how do we do that? Because this can sound a little bit, you know, very like high and religious, you know. Oh, what's your purpose? Oh, my purpose. You know, imagine a job interview. And what's your life's purpose? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Okay, great if you're, you know, doing an interview with a, with a Christian organization or something like that. But if it's somewhere else, it might seem a little bit out for people. But what does it actually mean? What does it mean to glorify God? When you're sitting in the company meeting, 
deciding which way forward or, or, or what strategy you're going to put in place now. What does it mean to glorify God in that situation? What does it mean when you're away on a mind site working your guts out just to get the shutdown done? What, what does it mean to glorify God? What does it mean when you're still holding a crying child and it's been an hour and a half and they just won't go to sleep? What does it mean to glorify God in that situation? Or, or what does it mean when maybe you feel overwhelmed with study pressures and peer pressure and everything else that's going on? What does it mean to glorify God? Well, I've got one, one simple challenge for you this, this week. It's simple to say, harder, harder to do. Preachers always love that. That's the, best, that's the best part. But the second point is this for today, is our challenge is to acknowledge His glory over your own. One of the meanings of the word glory is to light up something brilliantly. You see, glorifying God is not trying to make God more glorious, you know, as if like He needs our help to help him polish up a little bit and just be a, a, a little bit uh, more glorious. That way of thinking is actually completely opposite. It's backwards. We can't add anything to God. He can only add things to us. But we glorify God by acknowledging him, by pointing to him, and by valuing him over everything else, even, even in our normal everyday lives. Now, when you hear big statements like valuing him over anything else, sometimes those things can just sort of like fly over our heads, but because but, they, they just sound so big and lofty, like how could I, how could I ever do that? But, but here's my challenge for us all, myself included. Where can you this week choose God over something you might want? Where, where, can, we, where can we choose God? Uh, Rachel already, you know, in, in that prayer time, spoke about listening to God about those, those things to lay down and surrender to Him. You see, we just finished the series called Devoted, Seeking First, What Matters Most, and, and this is very similar. And maybe during that time of, uh, we did 21 days season of, of prayer and fasting, um, maybe there were some rhythms and some things that you did through that fasting season that God's calling, uh, calling you to do regularly. Like maybe it's, maybe it's fasting food, like maybe a day a month is saying no to something that I want and yes to allow His glory to shine through my life. Maybe for you it's media, social media, phone addictions, something where you are choosing to acknowledge God over those things. You know, this points to God as our supplier. This points to God that says, you know what, when I've had a hard day or I, I, I don't know what to do or I just need to veg out for a second, instead of just picking up my phone and just, you know, scrolling until my thumb gets slightly achy, you know, I, I'm going to choose to do something else that acknowledges God, that glorifies Him above myself. Maybe for you it's in our speech. How much glory does God get in the words that you use? Are your words all about you? Are they all about ourselves? Or do they point and reflect the glory of God? That is, that is who He is. Are you the moon reflecting the sun? Or are you the star that wants to shine on everyone? You see, maybe it's just in some, 
simple practical rhythms. Maybe, maybe your family used to say uh, grace at every meal or maybe you never have. In, in any case, what, whatever it is, maybe it doesn't happen in your home. Can I tell you there's something powerful and important about having those moments when we demonstrate our thankfulness to God for all He has provided for us. Uh, I remember as a kid growing up, my mum would always make us say grace. Uh, my dad didn't believe in God, but he just sort of, you know, I don't know, just grunted through it, didn't say amen at the end. But, um, but I had two younger brothers, and so as teenage boys, obviously the thing that spoke most to us was food. And so we perfected the art of saying grace as fast as possible so you could get to the food. And it's funny, I, I still remember it. I still remember it. Thank you, Lord, for this lovely food. Bless tell brothers, amen. Done. <laughs> then eat. We could do it. We could do it so quickly. All three of us said exactly the same thing. Okay, so families know this. It doesn't have to be some glory moment. It's not like sky split, angels come down like, glory, you know, like we're here. They're saying grace, and then your children will be perfect for the rest of the day. They'll never argue and be amazing. No, no, it's never like that. Well, not in our house anyway. If it's yours, please come pray for us. We need you. It's never like that, but what, what is it? It's something that simply says, I'm going to take a moment, I'm going to glorify God. I, I, I'm, I'm going to stop. I'm going to, I'm going to say, okay, God, I'm thankful for this. And this is not a message about saying grace before, um, before, before your meal, but it's actually takeaway. Great. <laughs> Go for it. But, but what it is, it's about saying, what can we do that says, I'm choosing you, God. I'm giving you glory in my life. I'm not making this about me, but I know I'm created in your image. I know that you've got a plan and a purpose for my life, but also I know that because I am created, I'm owned by you. And so my chief purpose is to give you the glory, is to move the glory away from myself, which we all want, and give the glory to you. So this week, where can you choose God over self? Not, not necessarily just doing things for God, but acknowledging Him and being with him. No matter how long we've been following God, this sounds simple, yet there's still more of our lives that we can lay down for him. I find every day there's more of my life that I can surrender to him, that I can say, God, come and move in my life. Ah, oh, okay, I shouldn't have said that, God. I surrender that part to you. Why did I act that way? Oh, it's because I'm insecure around those people. Okay, God, I surrender my life to you. Why did I get mad at that? When it doesn't really matter, okay, God, I can surrender my life to you. More of my actions every day can point to him and not to self. And, you know, this morning as we wrap up, we're going to look to the, to the screen for a second and see a story from one of our team on the Gold Coast, Isaac, who was here in January actually for our youth camp. And he shares briefly his heart of discovering this revelation of God as creator. So thanks. We can check that up. Well, I remember it was 2019, 2020, and my wife and I had just taken the leadership of our Redlands location at the time. And it was exciting. It was going really well. Uh, as an Enneagram 3, I thrived on hitting the metrics, the KPIs, and doing all of those external things that looked right and looked successful. And I remember just buying into that rhythm and and it was great, it was exciting, like I said, but got to a point maybe six months into it where externally I was doing really well, but internally there was just a void, there was a gap. And I remember going to this dark place where I just became numb and I, I realized that my whole 
relationship with God was purely transactional and it was me doing things for him, hitting the KPI, being the guy, being there for everyone, having the answers. And, and it was trickling into my relationship with him where uh, I was only spending time reading the word to get a sermon. I was spending time reading the word to speak to someone or get a thought to share with team. And, and there was no personal relationship with God. And I remember hitting a wall one Sunday where I was just sitting there and I just didn't feel anything in the service. I didn't feel any excitement. There was no joy. I was just completely numb. I felt externally successful and internally void of any emotional relationship with God. And here I was the pastor, right? Feeling that way. And I remember I hit that wall and, and God wrecked me and broke me down where he said, Isaac, I've created you in my image. I've designed you for relationship with me. It's not about living off what you're doing for me, but it's about engaging with me as father, as, as someone who's created and designed you. And it was in that moment where I began to make some decisions and, and pursue God for my own growth and relationship as a son of God created in his image. And so I found rejuvenation and refreshment through prayer, through Bible reading, not to give things to other people, but to spend time with him as a son created in his image. And, and it began a whole journey where I began to see health in my own ministry. I relate better with people. I was a better husband and now father. And as I lock into God as my creator, as my father and me as his son, uh, I began to see health in my whole world overflow in everything that I do. And maybe you're here and, and that's what it's been for you with God. It's been a relationship built around transaction, business, uh, where it's all about what you're doing for God. And if you're honest, it's just tiring. And can I encourage you to take time to stop, to pause, and to engage God as Father, as Creator, as the one who designed you in His image, created you in His image as a son or a daughter, not to just do things for Him, but to be with Him and to know Him as a Father who wants a relationship with you. Amazing. What a, what a great challenge. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes across this place. You know, maybe you're here and you've never had that relationship with God. Or you have, but it's been, something's happened that's severed, been, been cut off. I, I want to encourage you that God has created you in His image. He's created you on purpose with a purpose. I want to encourage you this morning that no matter how far you may feel you are from God, that He is here, He's ready, and He wants to see your heart. He wants you to, you to surrender your life to Him. And so this morning across this place, in a couple of seconds, we're going we're gonna to say a prayer together. It's a simple prayer that invites Jesus into our life. And if you want to make a line in the sand moment and say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to make this decision for me to set my agenda with yours, Lord. Would you just lift your hand where you are? I'll see your hand. You can put it back down. I won't pull you out the front or embarrass you. But we do want to help you take a moment to make that decision before God. So if that's you, would you lift your hand right now where you are? And as a church, we're going to pray together. Is there someone like that this morning that wants to say yes to Jesus? Maybe for the first time. Maybe.